You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the show recorded in 2020, where we talk about movies from 2020. So it's almost live in some ways. Today, we are talking about a movie that uh, released earlier in the year. I actually have it sitting on DVD right next to me. Uh, This is Color Out of Space, the latest Nicolas Cage movie. Um, Hopefully, as of the time of this recording, it there, there might already be two or three more by this point. It's hard to say. He's very prolific. But uh, this movie is based on the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Color Out of Space. It is, I believe, the fourth or fifth adaptation of that story as a film. And it's the only one of those starring Nicolas Cage. The soundtrack for this was recorded by Colin Stetson, who does a lot of work with Arcade Fire and such. Coming up next, you will not hear an Arcade Fire song, but you will hear a song composed by Colin Stetson from the movie The Color Out of Space. If I, if I remember correctly, this... Uh, no, you know what? I'm not going to announce what it's called because I know some of the names of the uh, songs from this movie, but I do not know the songs to go with those names. So here's a song from The Color Out of Space. You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that came out in 2020. And boy, there are not many of them. Well, you know what? That's not actually true. It feels like Netflix releases new trash every single day. I'm like, I guess it's not quite that much, but it is a lot. There's a lot of stuff on Netflix that is new that I have never seen. I was and looking you up- never will see. Definitely. Like I was looking up, uh, I was looking up Netflix movies um, just probably 20 minutes ago. Do you know how many Bollywood movies are like Netflix productions? Mm-hmm. It's it's far from the vast majority of new Bollywood movies, but it's a lot. I didn't think it would be like one, but it's this year alone. It's at least in the. It's at least a dozen. Damn, I'm I'm actually surprised. I think it's cool that I've heard I've heard Netflix is really trying to branch out more. Um... To other into other countries i know they have the I, I saw they invested like 500 million this year into canadian movies or something or maybe it's 50 million 50 million into canadian content that is cool uh, like, like i that. want i want netflix to netflix has a bunch of money and i just want them to throw it at whatever they can which is kind of what they do but like if they can be inventive while doing that that's awesome or you know just netflix is the kind of is the kind of studio that can afford to fund projects like weird things like I'm thinking of ending things or like 
go to, I don't know, the next up and coming Hong Kong director and put money in his hand to make yeah. something really cool. And like, I want them to do or, that. Or, or an her. old HP Lovecraft. Uh, now that's interesting that you say that because that is what we're going to talk about today, but this is not actually a Netflix production. Netflix only oh, has the rights yeah. to it in most countries. Honestly, it, I, I'm surprised. It honestly kind of felt like a Netflix production. That's why I'm a little surprised. It I think they did pick it up been. really quickly though. I want to say the only reason it to me didn't quite feel like a Netflix production is like, it's hard to explain. It had a, it had like high production value and like, very flashy effects, but not necessarily in a Netflix way. I kind of find that either um, when I watch Netflix originals and stuff, if they have lots of special effects, they're either like extremely good, like they spent most of the budget on the special effects, or they're like flashy, but actually really bad. And like maybe that's just movies in general, and I'm just sort of seeing more of those on Netflix because again, Netflix throws money at everything, but this felt like a very Hollywood style B movie to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It definitely, I, even like when you were mentioning the the latter side of Netflix movies having kind of shoddy special effects, I can agree that this this did feel like it was towing the line between looking competent and like a little too goose like goosebumps esque CGI. Yeah, it doesn't look realistic by any means but it doesn't look trashy either yeah i'm, I'm happy they never truly passed that point um because mm -hmm. it, it was a pretty low budget movie but anyways like uh just to be oh. clear the movie we're talking about is color, color in out space. of space yeah color out of space yeah so i really um, like that title by the way i think it's a very oddly clever title because uh, well, it's, it's like out outer space out of space i don't know hey nice <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much. So The Color Out of Space, uh, this is based on one of H.P. Lovecraft's most famous short stories he ever wrote called The Color Out of Space. And like that short story is incredible. I'm going to talk about that a lot more after we talk about the movie because I want to try, try and just look at this as a movie first. But uh, before we get to that, I guess for anyone who's unfamiliar with H.P. Lovecraft, um, just to get the elephant out of the room, uh, elephant in the room out of the way. H.P. Lovecraft was super racist. There we go. Anyone who's waiting for me to say that, I've said it now. It is true. We're not really going to talk about it anymore because it doesn't really come up in this movie. Anyway, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, I'm very he's surprised. Like, he was extremely racist. It's like there's an entire Wikipedia section that just like summarizes his racism, if I remember correctly. That's and like position. it probably did seep into a lot of his stories, not into this one that I noticed. Um, anyway, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, he's uh, he's kind of the guy that's most closely associated with the idea of eldritch horror, which as I was talking to Pierre before, eldritch is actually an English word that just means otherworldly. So like it's not specifically like he didn't coin that term, but um, that was what he did. Like he made cosmic horror. The whole point of a lot of his horror stories was like people would go insane. And the whole point was, and like, you'd never see the monster because the moment you see the monster or the moment you like actually know what the monster is or looks like, that's when you go insane. Even in the color out of space, like 
the people, the, the insanity by the end is brought on like before they even know what the monster is. And as soon as they find out what the monster is, like no one can actually describe what it is. It doesn't make any kind of, it's so entirely alien that like the whole point of it is that you don't know what is that by the end, even though, you know, technically what was causing all of the issues, um, like all the trouble on this farm, uh, it's, unclear what the alien is uh how the alien functions and why the alien was there in the first place which i guess we'll get into sorry really i'm not even really sure what if they're because we never you never see any specific aliens it's it's you actually do you see the alien a lot in this movie actually but that's the thing because you wouldn't even perceive that as an alien Think like about ice. the name of the movie, The Color Out of color. Space. The oh, alien so is the... literally the color. Oh, I thought it was just like what the alien like uses as a weapon or something. I don't know. No, that is like, kind of like a virus or something. Oh, OK. That, that actually makes a lot more sense now. But um, yeah, his um, this movie. OK, I, I think I I might want to save the rest of my HP Lovecraft talk for later, because now I'm going to get yeah. into why he wrote this story. But just briefly. Yeah. The idea behind the story, The Color Out of Space, is that H.P. Lovecraft wanted to create something that was truly and like truly alien. That, like, because he was fed up with uh, so many alien stories being like, oh, the aliens came to Earth and they were just humans, but they were green, or they were humans, but they, you know, wore little spaceman suits. He's like, no, I want, what would an actual alien be like? We probably couldn't even comprehend what an actual alien would be like. So let's write that. And so that's kind of where this, where the idea for the color out of space comes from. And uh, do you want to, do you want to summarize how this movie plays out? Sure. Uh, so yeah, the color out of space, it starts with, there's this family who lives on a isolated area. I guess it's kind of a farm. Not okay. Not really a farm. It's just, an isolated home in kind of the middle of nowhere. And I believe the city wants to build some kind of dam in that general location. So they send a hydrologist to check on the water. And the uh, somewhere at the I can't I can't remember exactly, but like uh after this the city comes to inspect it for the first time, a meteorite falls onto their property and it's glowing a color um i guess it was purple in the movie purple pinkish yeah and uh this this meteorite is kind of sits there and like they some people analyze it the news comes over but then uh one day it disappears and once it disappears the our main characters the main family starts to get starts to slowly divulge into complete madness over the rest of the movie and we have to, I guess, see whether or not they can figure out what's happening. That's more, um, I guess, like, uh, what did you, what do you think about, what, what did you think about this movie? What, what, what are our thoughts on this movie? Uh, I, <laughs> this is just, it's a really hard movie for me to talk, like, talk, analyze, I guess, because, yeah, it's not my type of movie. I can respect the fact that it made me feel extremely uncomfortable and not many movies have been able to make me feel kind of dread, especially like afterwards. 
um it actually took me like kind of like a bit i i don't even think like i saw it earlier today i'm still not entirely like with it after it i'm a little like like freaked out by it um so yeah it's not my type of movie movie. because yeah it's it's uh it's just not a wholesome movie i'm i'm a very like i like a nice happy ending and it would have been nice to see it uh kind of work out better for the main characters but there's a lot of very disturbing imagery in this that i i personally like uh, i i got weirded out by um i i i don't love like it just i don't know the movie just felt off like the plot's pretty interesting right but it's it's pretty one dimensional in that the main characters are very basic and the plot doesn't really necessarily go anywhere which on paper i'm not a fan of so it's like it's weird in that it made me feel things which is like what i want from a movie because usually movies are made to make the audience feel emotions and stuff but Mm -hmm. also it i don't really it it wasn't it felt cheap to me It, it it got it got me to feel things based out of more so like uh like just disturbing disturbing me uh over and over again and making it worse and worse which i think is in my opinion is kind of cheap but i also find it interesting too it's hard to say well i should point out that this movie is adapted from a if i remember correctly 14 page short story so like um it's a lot easier to tell a story where you have basic characters and nothing happens in 14 pages and make it interesting than it is over the course of an hour and a half. So, or two hours is how long this movie is. So like, it's surprisingly long, honestly. I, I think it does. I mean, it does need to be much longer than, you know, 20 minutes to get the full point of everything across. But like in stretching it out, it doesn't necessarily do it favors. I would say. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you're looking at it in terms of, pure pacing the the entire premise of the movie is that uh family family discovers color and then they go insane and that's basically the movie right there and mm-hmm. like two and in, in like a sentence right and like and like it's not necessarily like you can describe many movies plots in two sentences but like i just there's not much like back and forth to it mm-hmm. you know it's just a slow descent which is like it's not bad i i guess it's hard for me. I, I'm just kind of confused as well because I have seen the we, we saw the lighthouse earlier or late last year and we saw I remember seeing Annihilation. Did we talk about that? We did not. Or I really that, want to okay. at some point. Um, I saw Annihilation, though, earlier this year. And those are both movies that also feature a cast of characters that slowly go insane over the course of the movie. But I I just I feel like this one wasn't done as well. I don't entirely understand why, though. And I wish I hope you can enlighten me in that fact, because I have no idea. Well, as I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering, like, so it's fairly clear from the beginning of this movie that no one no one is coming out the other end of this movie uh, in one piece. Um, I guess there's the hydrologist, but technically he's barely even part of the story. Um, But like everyone is either going to die by the end of this movie or like they're going to be a non-character coming out. And I was wondering if like it just has something to do with, even though that's the case with the lighthouse and annihilation as well, more or less, like, is it that it, is it that just that 
this is hopeless and those aren't or something. But no, I think, I don't know, for me at least, it's partially, when I see these characters, these are characters like in a horror movie where this horror movie is almost, this is almost framed like a horror movie where there's a clear bad guy in Nicolas Cage because he's going insane and everyone else eventually can defeat Nicolas Cage. But that really doesn't happen in this movie. And that's also kind of not what this movie is. Like everyone goes insane and everyone ends up dead in the movie, basically. I'm not really yeah. sure. I guess I can kind of understand like, okay, if I if I had to point some things out off the top of my head after putting some thought into it, like the first thing would probably be the acting. I did not think the acting or really the directing in this movie was as solid as these other ones. Um, or the writing as well, actually. The dialogue was pretty rough in this, in a lot of cases. And I, I think that's a little... like it's, it's not a huge thing, right? But I think it does add up. Like I'd say the other movies might have had a more solid foundation because I, I, don't, I know both those directors have done insanely good work in the past mm-hmm. with, a, with slightly more grounded... Uh, plots right whereas this mm-hmm. guy the guy that directed this i can't remember its name it's like robert something right richard stanley richard stanley so close um he i can't i don't know of anything he's directed in the past that was that big um, mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that to discredit him or anything it's just i i feel like the other directors might be more competent at least in in a technical aspect because like and when I say competent, I mean like they're amazing. Whereas this this was like pretty good, but like I don't think it was good enough, especially in a in a in a story that I think because I th- I really think this requires you to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the characters, right? Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't really find myself relating to any of the characters in this. Well, so, none of the yeah. characters really have very much of a journey. Like, Nicolas Cage's character arc is that he goes insane. Nicolas Cage's daughter's character arc is that she goes insane, but she goes slower. She goes insane slower than Nicolas Cage. And that's also everyone else's character arc. Like, this story. So, like, what makes The Lighthouse and Annihilation really good is that they're about something for all of their characters. Like, The Lighthouse has a bunch of weird stuff that happens to Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe but at the but at, but like if you really dig deep down that movie is about what Robert Pattinson's character is going through through the whole thing and there's a lot there there's a lot to unpack there and it's kind of the same with Annihilation although Annihilation is like even Annihilation like does that for every single one of its characters and it does it really well uh with this movie the there's it's not really about anything for any of the characters. Like this is a movie about an alien uh, messing with these characters, which is fine. But because of that, like there's just less to unpack and it ends up being an okay B movie, but very, but not very much more than that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. I I definitely, I I could tell that, there wasn't a, a character arc for any of them, but like I guess like I guess when you say the light the lighthouse did have like I, I really felt more in Robert Pattinson's mind and I was able to relate mm-hmm. to him more. Especially because I think that oddly enough the script was more grounded and that yeah. I, I feel like it, that could happen to anyone and that, you know, like you go crazy trapped in one place. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Whereas like, yeah, with this it's just not 
as uh it's not as relatable and then unlike annihilation i guess annihilation had really good character work you're right i forgot about that so and had some really interesting themes so i i, I guess i agree also like a lot i i just the dialogue didn't feel it felt very robotic and mm -hmm. i i didn't buy into it if like a lot of the kids dialogue felt like it was one of those like uh like dialogue made for like a one of those advertisements where you got like these 50 year old dudes creating ads for like 10 year olds and they're like trying to make it sound hip like hey fellow kids stuff um there's some weird insults like like dickweed like they would say stuff like dickweed and stuff and it's just so like it's just so odd to hear from like teenagers i don't know and also i noticed that uh the dialogue in this movie fell into a lot of tropes like um one very notable change from the actual story is they made Jack Gardner, the, the youngest son, he, like, um, communicated with the alien, like, the man that lives in the well is what he called him. And yeah. um, he, he would just, like, sit there and, like, sort and, and whistle at the alien, and the alien would sometimes whistle back or something. And, like, that's fine, but what that does, what, what I reckon, like... I immediately recognized that as this is your standard horror movie, creepy kid. And it's like, that's not something that's that's the trope itself isn't bad, but it feels like they were using it just because, because that's not something from the original story. And I don't think it added anything here. I mean, the kid in general didn't add anything. He, he no, has, he, no one seems to really care about the kid in any way. Uh, and he just, yeah, it was it was a very uh, odd addition. I guess it kind of rounded the family out to have a younger kid there, but it would have been nice for him to have a little something to do. I feel like partly they might have backtracked on it a bit because they didn't want it to be too disturbing. Like they didn't want child violence, which they do sort of feature, but I think it's not as disturbing because no one cared about the kid in the first place. Like the audience is never given a chance to care about the kid, so... I guess it doesn't end up mattering. Possibly. That's we, like, yeah. Um, I guess what I wanted to ask, and this might be, this might be one of the things that was disturbing you. What did you think of all the body horror elements in this for no reason? Well, not for no reason, but just sort of out of nowhere. Yeah. I just, I don't like it. I, <laughs> I just think it's, yeah, it's just like, honestly, cause I remember, have you seen, mm, have you seen Phil metal alchemist? Like the, anime? I have, I have not. Okay, I, I remember in high school, I saw an episode of it where it features a similar uh, body dysmorphia um, horror trope in it. And it like, I, I couldn't really, I was kind of, I think I remember being disturbed for like two days. Like I was just like in a dark place because of it. Um, it really got me. And then this was like, it, it comes back in this one and it is possibly more disturbing this time. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's unnecessary. I, I, uh, I don't know, because again, like if the goal, the goal is probably to make me feel uncomfortable and unsettled, it did that. So like props for that. Like it, the, I guess the whole concept of of uh, it was done really well. But in general, I just I think it's kind of cheap personally mm -hmm. and unnecessary, I guess, because I don't really feel like it furthered my like the the actual story in any way other than i guess it furthered the plot but like i don't feel like it 
really added anything to the alien aspect of it but i'm Not pretty really. biased because i just don't like it it was a little weird just because like why is that something that the alien can do? It's not, I mean, nothing about this alien is explained, but adding more unexplained stuff doesn't really make it better, I guess. Yeah, like, I I don't know, like, that wasn't in the short story, right? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, Not explicitly. Yeah, because I, I would, they, oh, wait, sorry, they, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, they put it in there, and they didn't get that from the short story, but, like, it doesn't contradict anything in the short story either. Like there's one or two scenes that could be interpreted as something similar. Oh, okay. I see. Um, crap. I lost my train of thought. I just, Oh no. um, I didn't, I, I, I thought it was scary and, um, I guess it was interesting. There you go. Uh, but I, I kind of, in a way, I wish that the, it might, it was more grounded and that like the slow descent into paranoia could have been more interesting from the alien rather than like whatever we got with this, where it was like ultra supernatural stuff. Um, very similar. I, it was very similar to the Annihilation uh, bubble. Yeah. Of freaky the, stuff. The an Annihilation draws a lot of inspiration from Color Out of Space. Oh, really? Oh, that actually, yeah. yeah, that makes it's quite literally in a lot of ways the same thing. I didn't yeah. realize that until now. So, like, I, I, I get, I guess, for because this movie definitely was more small scale. It would have been nice if they stuck to their budget and the initial concept a little more. Hmm. Their initial, uh, yeah, because like at the start of it, it felt like it was just a bunch of a family on a farm who are disturbed by an alien and they go insane, right? And yeah. I think that could have been more interesting in that, like. Again, like that could happen to any family. It's just this is like a an alien that like the alien is just what advances the plot quicker, I guess, and gives it a reason to happen, right? Well, that would um, be cool because like the way that they put it in the in this movie, I don't know how long the family actually lived there, but like if that was information that was communicated to us, like if they had just moved there and like the kids didn't really like being there and the dad wasn't very good at farming, which are both things that totally could actually be true within the movie, right? As it is, they're just not explained. Um, then like, this could be just a story ultimately about a family going stir crazy out in the woods, but then, you know, on its face, it's a, story about an alien and then you fix that problem that i just mentioned with the lighthouse and stuff where the lighthouse is kind of about something like he goes crazy in a very believable way and you could do that for this movie and it wouldn't be too hard to i mean obviously you'd have to write a different script but technically with what's there it's not too hard to fix that except that it's just it they just didn't do that yeah and I, I, I guess I like that it would leave it more up to interpretation and stuff like that too. This, this was like, like a little too much. And I think like due to their budget, the, not all of the CGI really stuck well. And it like, honestly, they did really good considering their, like what they, what they got to work with, like $12 million. Some, some of the CGI was quite impressive, especially towards the end. Uh, Except for a very specific couple of like examples i thought that the special effects in this were really good yeah and I, that was uh, surprising 
So, uh, and they they made a decent decent use of practical effects too, um, which which really gave it the B movie vibes you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and I I did like that. Um, but I guess I don't know it. It's a it's a small thing, but yeah, I, I guess they 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 were going for a more ambitious interpretation of it, which is so um, cool. But yeah, uh, what what I did guess, you think of Nicolas Cage in this? That was a, I was I was just about to ask. Okay. Um, that's like yeah, the I, only big thing I can think of. So uh, Nicolas Cage in this movie reminds me a lot of one of Stephen King's criticisms of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, I don't know how much is. you know about that, but like. He was very against Jack Nicholson being cast as uh, the guy in The Shining. I forgot his name, but um, Jack Torrance, I think, is his name, right? Anyway, he was very against. Because it's like no, it's not a different movie. No, it's the same movie, but at no point in the movie, except for that one scene, is he ever called Johnny. Oh, it's super weird. I I've never seen it, so I have no idea. um, But in The Shining. Uh, Stephen King really didn't want Jack Nicholson to be, I don't know how much say he would have had in it anyway, but he didn't want Jack Nicholson to be Jack Torrance because Jack, because The Shining is um, one of the things that happens in that movie or in that movie and in that uh, book is that Jack Torrance goes insane and like tries to kill his family. That's basically the plot of The Shining in a nutshell. Missing all of the nuance, but, like, that's what happens. Um, however... Would you say Nicolas Cage was channeling any Jack Nicholson in this? Not necessarily. It's more that Jack Nicholson... The reason Stephen King didn't want that was because Jack Nicholson at the time was best known for uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, like, Stephen King saw this as if people see that Jack Nicholson is Jack Torrance, that gives away the end of the movie. They know Jack Nicholson is going to go insane because Jack Nicholson is the crazy person. Like, he's typecast already as a crazy person. And and Nicolas Cage, I wouldn't say that Nicolas Cage is specifically typecast as a crazy person, but, like, anytime I've seen Nicolas Cage go crazy in a movie, he really overdoes it. And sometimes that works. And sometimes it doesn't work as well. And here I thought he went, he like, he was given it 150% when maybe he should have dialed it back to about an 80. Was there a certain scene where, or certain scenes where you, you would definitely say? Because honestly, I I didn't mind him that much. I thought he was, well, he was definitely the best actor, but I mean, like, I think that goes without saying because yeah. he's much by far the most experienced person on the cast from what I can tell. Uh, I liked him most of the time. Uh, when Nicolas Cage's character got angry, I didn't like it because he put on a weird voice for some reason uh, and he would just yell about random stuff. And it's like, I mean, I don't know if my main criticism with it is that I thought he just, he fit the movie. So like his character was fine. I I really think that my main criticism with that is that he goes insane in a very, as far as I'm concerned, not a very Lovecraft way to go insane because he went, he got like very angry and weird, like very obviously insane, I guess, where Lovecraft people, like when, when H.P. Lovecraft writes a character that goes insane, that character is usually... Like, uh, you wouldn't immediately know that they've gone insane right away. Like, they seem normal. They just seem sort of off. And then 
over the course of, you know, eventually it's like, oh no, their mind is clearly gone. And specifically in the case of the color out of space, the character who he's playing, uh, Mr. Gardner, is he his insanity doesn't manifest as like something violent and really uh, energetic. It's manifests as him being like becoming so reserved and so reclusive that he just sits around all day and does literally nothing and just talks to himself and says nonsense. Um, so like personally, I just would have liked to see that character. Um, but it's more that just, I thought Nicholas Cage went insane, like his went insane in a very Nicholas Cage way. And I would have preferred to see him do just about anything else. Because this reminded me a lot of The Vampire's Kiss, but it works in The Vampire's Kiss, and I didn't think it worked here as well as it could have. Okay, that's fair. I just... Do do you care if we get into spoilers? At this point... So we have been avoiding spoilers pretty well up to this point. So I guess let's not do that anymore. If you have made it to this point, uh, there have been no spoilers yet. There are about to be spoilers. My recommendation is this movie is good enough. If you want to see, if you're on the fence about seeing it, go see it. Uh, sure, I'll agree. I think I'm fifty yeah, fifty still. Um, we'll, we'll give real ratings at the end. Anyways, the I I didn't think the descent. Like I understand what you're saying, and like I think I can kind of see that they were sort of going for that, but I I really don't think it works for any character other than kind of Nicolas Cage actually uh that was mostly the writing though honestly but like mm-hmm. like going through the family we got the jack character the youngest kid who basically from the start is insane and uh and then you go to the the mom who is who has done a lot better and i liked i liked the the scene where she cuts off her fingers was actually like really discreet like it really threw me off and was actually pretty well done um, mm-hmm. even though it was like very, very, very cliche. Uh, I but, it was but then even though no, you yeah. knew it was coming. Yeah, uh, I was I was kind of half actually half expecting them to her to stop it when the when the sun came up, just because like it it would felt that obvious. But either way, yeah, that when she sticks up her fingers and says dinner is ready, that was really, really creepy. Mm-hmm. Um but they kind of threw so that was really good, but then they threw that out her her kind of slow progression completely when her and jack get hit by the laser and then it it's not subtle at all anymore it's just they are literally not human anymore yeah they just get fused (laughs) into this one weird yeah which uh yeah that's that's the part if if anyone was wondering before that's the part i really did not like um that really got me and uh it was really disturbing um but yeah anyways all subtlety is kind of thrown out the window for that for those two Although characters. I, I will say that once that happens, I mostly really like Nicolas Cage's arc from that point forward. Yeah, exactly. That's when uh, his really gets interesting. Because he he um he kind of delves back and forth between sanity and insanity. Mm-hmm. And you I like I like that you can never really tell what what you're getting at any point. Um that scene where he's oh god, when he's when he's about to kill his wife, the the hybrid wife. And then mm-hmm. he and then he kisses her and then and then he like changes his mind was like so and then like oh he kisses her and then it's all slimy like you see the slime stick out god yeah. that was really really disturbing um 
but anyways i like so i liked i i agree i did like that um but then like the son the older son was i thought it was terrible i don't know what his character was doing the whole movie i barely remember well. him i know he was there but like did yeah. he do anything of substance they they honestly quick they picked a pretty bad actor he had no screen presence at all i think jack had more screen presence and he had nothing to do in this movie like mm -hmm. literally um but yeah he he seemed fine he seemed he honestly seemed completely sane until he ended up going into the well for some reason which was probably the one of the stupidest stupidest things in this movie it made no sense to me um, mm -hmm. When he goes into the well to find his dog, when it was quite obviously the dog was not there and it was not going to end well for him. Um, and like that's that's the thing is like I think a lot of character uh, stupidity can be explained away through, oh, it was the it was the color from space. But like I think I still think that's pretty cheap that at least build it up more. Yeah, um, his didn't feel his death didn't feel earned at all. And it felt mm -hmm. very out of nowhere. And then um, yeah. I don't really know what was going on with the teenage daughter. I mostly didn't like her. Um, I think it's, I just think they wrote a really unlikable character. I think that's most of it. But like, um, I guess she was acted fine, I guess. Uh, her character was weird. And I don't understand like what she was doing. Because at the beginning, she was, I don't know, she was set up as this like strange Satanist. And then later on she basically exists to be this screaming teenage girl in every horror movie and then at the end she like channels the alien and sends it to space but i don't think that's her she just sort of looks creepy while that happens yeah well she tried I, another ritual after her mom goes or after the mom and the brother get fused um yeah. so i don't really know what was going on there but yeah i i think she was it was unfortunate for the actress i think i think her character was given a lot more to carry. She had to carry the movie in a lot of ways. And she just isn't, she's not a bad actress. She's just, her no. lines are bad. And she, I don't think she was good enough to really carry the rest of like the plot. I don't think that that character has any hope of carrying the plot as it is. And it's really unfortunate that that actress got saddled with having to do that because yeah, she she wouldn't be able to carry the movie either, and that's fine. She's a you know actress who's been working for not nearly as long as Nicolas Cage, so that's fair. Yeah, it's just um, well, she's also like yeah, she's the main. She's kind of the audience's surrogate almost in a way. I guess kind of. Uh, no, it's probably the hydrologist technically. Yeah, because he's are, the guy telling the story. Yeah, but for the most part, we're she's probably the most relatable character i guess and is given the most screen time as a sane person mm -hmm. so yeah it was, it was just uh, too bad and um her dialogue did really stick out as not being written by a young female or male just any young person in general it just didn't work she's the one that says dickweed <laughs> yeah it wasn't dickweed it was just like because it, it felt like one of those insults that are like oddly censored because she's a teenager and they want to appeal to children in the movie or something but then they like also frequently i think nick cage frequently says like fuck throughout the movie as well so several times I don't, yeah yeah so it's like why not just let the daughters say worse stuff 
Because well, just, I think yeah. I think she got to swear a couple of times too. Maybe. I don't know. I just it was it, it really stuck out to me. Um. So yeah, and then I guess there was the hydrologist too, but he was pretty bland. There was nothing really there. Yeah, he was ascend. I I think so. This movie is planned as movie one in a tri- in a shared universe, and I think the hydrologist may be in other movies. I can so see he was, that. He, that's that's probably his point. The the reason he's in this. I guess they needed like some because in the short story, it's 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 kind of explained from an outer perspective as well, right? So. Yeah. So um, in the short story, so th- so it's it's written actually like a lot of the way that H.P. Lovecraft tended to write his stories is that um, a lot of them were like they were told as if he was someone that was like, he'd heard this story and he'd written it down and he was telling it to us. Like he would write them down as like old folk tales from Massachusetts, basically. And so the way this story is told uh, in the HP Lovecraft story is there's a journalist who I don't remember why he wanted to go to what's called the blasted Heath, but it's this place right outside Arkham and people just like, don't, People try to live there, but they just feel off and then they leave. And like, no one really talks about that place. And they don't talk about anything that happened since the strange days, which no one will talk about. So he like goes as he's a journalist and he goes to like try and find out what the whole deal with the strange days is. And um, eventually he like finds out he's not getting anywhere. So he goes to the local crazy person and poses as a hydrologist surveying or a surveyor, like working on the upcoming reservoir to get the uh, local crazy man to tell him what happened and why people don't talk about things anymore. And then the old crazy man, who was a friend of Nahum Gardner, uh, tells him about what happened to the Gardner family. So it's like two layers of people talking about other people. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy they didn't do that in this movie, but... Well, it wouldn't have worked for this movie. However, they did almost exactly that in a movie back in 2012, a German movie called uh, Die Farbe, which is The Color, is what it's called, um, where they, they changed it slightly so that it was a guy looking for his dad, and the guy that actually recognizes his dad is this old crazy person from a little German village. And then he tells him the story of what happened to the Gardner family that used to live in the village and doesn't anymore. And it actually does work really well in that format. Um, you just have to write the movie to be told in that format, which this movie wasn't, and that's okay. This movie, as it is, would not have worked like that. Yeah, I I agree. And I'm I guess I, I'm surprised. I'm honestly kind of surprised because it did really feel like this was as much they were trying to make this as similar as possible to the short story without, um, while still trying to make it cinematic. And mm-hmm. I guess theoretically they could have shoved it in, but like it was a good exclusion. Well, there was, um, I think that's probably my biggest nitpick about this movie is uh, just the way that they introduce it, like the in, the opening narration does not sit right with me at all because it's the hydrologist saying like, 
people warned him he shouldn't go to this place outside of Arkham because it was strange there. And it's like, how did anyone warn you about that? Those things don't happen until the future. Yeah, I guess it was maybe That's a nitpick, maybe that explains like, why no one like really wanted to go there because well, part of the plot is they are isolated, right? So maybe it's just they're isolated because like they ah I don't know how to say this, but like maybe that's I mean, why no one really took it seriously at first because everyone assumes it's a weird place. I don't know. That maybe. doesn't really make sense though. That's the thing is like you can try and logic it however you want, but it just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to do the narration with that specific wording. It's a nitpick because like it doesn't, it's, it's a wording problem more than anything, but just it really bothered me because it's like, what is the timeline of this movie that you're saying people told you not to go there, but you going there is not what instigates the events, but happens right before the events. So like, what are they telling you to avoid? We never hear about what anything else weird that happens there in this movie. So, for all intents and for the for the con, for the purposes of this movie, any other events do not exist. Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's an isolated incident. Probably. Yeah. I will say the whole Arkham name though. I don't know when Batman came out compared to this, but like it it already kind of sets the tone of this is a bad place from the start. Yeah. Except that um, Batman's Arkham Asylum is named in honor of H.P. Lovecraft's Arkham. So that's kind of something you wouldn't want to change. That's actually crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft created the the town of Arkham, Massachusetts, and that's where most of his stuff is set, like in and around Arkham. Oh, it's kind of like... Well, that's is that is that why they say Stranger Things as Lovecraftian? Like other than the monsters, is because it's like all centered around one town. No, not necessarily. I think it's Lovecraftian because of the monsters. The monsters in Stranger oh, okay. Things are very Lovecraftian. Oh, okay, cool. Never mind. Um, but speaking of other things that are kind of Lovecraftian, uh, we did mention before earlier, like the lighthouse and Annihilation, which are kind of similar to this movie, but lower kind of similar in some ways, but like. There, I mean, it would be difficult to compare Annihilation and this, like, Annihilation is in a completely other, different league from this movie. But, like, a lot of the aspects of the aliens and stuff are kind of similar between those kind of movies. I guess, maybe maybe we already talked about this. I don't know if I'm... Oh, uh, we did slightly. I'll, I, will, I will say that, I mean, I will, like, you said earlier that the Annihilation was partially based off of Color Out of Space, and it makes a lot of sense now. I did think the, I mean, I'm pretty sure Annihilation was had a much higher budget. I think it was like 40 million. I had to think from the top of my head. But uh, I, I do remember the the world being a lot more interesting. I mean, it, it called for a lot more, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But some of that, the architecture and design of like the alien, how the alien, um, I guess, atmosphere was morphing the human elements of it was really, really cool. And it was like, it's kind of like disturbing yet beautiful at the same time, mm-hmm. which I I wouldn't say this movie really strove for. It was either one or like, I'd say the color was kind of beautiful, right? And like those little flowers, but it was very much like the flowers were beautiful and the colors were kind of cool, but everything else was just really freaking gross. 
Whereas in Annihilation, it was like kind of a merger of the two. And there's some, I think it, I, I like that subtlety and kind of balance from it. It feels less evil and more kind of a different form of nature, mm -hmm. which was uh, cool to see. And I think that tied into the themes a lot with uh, uh, Tessa Thompson's character arc. And that was really, really cool. And how mm -hmm. that ends with her kind of accepting the the change of nature in her body um and, and that, that was a very beautiful yet disturbing moment they sort of allude to that a little bit in um in the mo in this movie in color out of space where they say like uh there's one scene there's one uh segment where tommy chong the squatter who lives in the woods for some reason uh he says that the alien is what does he say? It's it's changing it's everything around it. It's speaking. It's changing things around it to be closer to what it knows or something like that, yeah. which is sort of what the alien does in Annihilation. Um, but the point, well, for the, for the audience, one of the cool things that that ends up meaning about Annihilation is the alien, no matter how many of the acts committed by the alien sort of seem evil. It never seems like the alien is intentionally malevolent. It's just sort of doing something. And what exactly exists, that's something. Yeah. yeah, it exists. And well, it, it has, it might have some kind of goal, but it's not super clear what that goal is. And I think that, um, and in the, in the book of, in the book version of color out of space, as well as in the old, uh, in the 2012 movie, that's, well, that's the point of this alien and it comes across a lot better in those because in this, like the alien seems evil because it like straight up just morphs things and true. We don't know how much control it had over that or if it had motives or if it like wanted to do anything. Um, it's not a hundred percent clear, but the alien just like messes with this family to a pretty nasty degree where in the other, where in the other ones, the ways that it messes with the family are very, seem kind of neutral they're obviously very bad for the family but it's but like they don't seem like the alien is ever explicitly doing something to them if that makes sense well also what's so cool about annihilation is that that alien the alien actually like what it does to the people kind of is just it's, it's influencing their actions in a way that is very human and isn't like they it the way it influences them kind of is is in tune with their character arcs mm -hmm. and it it's it's not so much of a radical change it's more like they had something in their mind that kind of slowly expands because they're they're seeing things from the alien's point of view or something yeah um, which is just a lot more conducive to better storytelling as well kind of as what I uh, more interesting. Yeah, that's kind of what I was mentioning earlier is like Annihilation is about an alien, but it's about all of these characters. And then the alien is there. And, you know, it's it's not insignificant, but there's the, sto the story that's being told is these characters, not the alien. Yeah. So that's, that, that's why it's just this movie doesn't feel... Uh, it just it just feels a little neutered and not uh, like it's very much a B movie like you were saying before, and 
I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I guess it 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 feels like it's trying to tackle things that it just doesn't have the it doesn't have the talent behind the camera to tackle it. Well, I I don't know if I agree just because I don't think it it to me it doesn't feel like it's tackling anything. It just feels like it's making a cool alien movie. Well, yeah, that that was probably the goal of it. Um Yeah, I just I guess that I don't that doesn't really I I think it's just because especially with a, a longer movie like this, I don't think that can last that long. Um, I remember like I was like an hour and 20 minutes in. And I thought I was really close to the end because it was just like, is this really like how much what how much more can really happen? And then they do go fully crazy with it. But it's just like it just I it just feels unnecessary. It's like everything, everything after the the mom and Jack get morphed together is like in my opinion kind of unnecessary even though it was like technically interesting mm-hmm. um huh so i think that's pretty much color out of space yeah i i agree what what did you think like let's let's put a let's put a recommend don't recommend and a number on it i would say probably like a five out of ten um pretty like a competent movie You'll get some interesting acting out of Nicolas Cage and some sort of interesting ideas and sequences, but I think it's relatively forgettable other than like the really disturbing moments, which I don't really like to count. And I don't necessarily, if unless you're like, I guess I would say unless you're a horror fan, I would not recommend this. Um, I don't really see it appealing to a mainstream audience personally say pretty much the same i think i'd also give it a five uh basically for the same reasons i would say if you like nicholas cage watch it because of course you should uh beyond that like maybe if you're a horror fan i don't know what this movie this movie has like it's it's got some really cool visuals and like i really like the alien in the story and in this movie um so like you know if you're a horror movie fan it's probably unlike a lot of things you've seen but like I don't know how special it is even in that regard. So like, it's fine. I guess, I guess watch it. Um, and like I said, if you're, if you're on the fence about whether or not to watch this, go see it. It's good enough that like, you shouldn't be on the fence, but like, it's not really anything super special. However, what I would say is like, honestly, everyone should watch the uh, 2012 color out of space movie that came out on Amazon. It is incredible and that's exact and like it's exactly what this story is like it it adapts the short story very closely and is like surprisingly like for a very close adaptation it's surprisingly good and hits the tone perfect it's really really good i don't know how it ended up being that good and like it's hard for me to say too much more about this in a uh in a podcast about not that movie because like it's just very very close to the book or to the to the story and does it really well i i don't really know what more i can say about it mm-hmm. but i definitely recommend that one cool maybe i'll actually i probably won't check it out to be honest it's an hour <laughs> and a half long so like you will have the time i'm not gonna yeah, judge you if you don't but day. you should i just i'm just so like done i don't want to think about this movie ever again I'm so I think, done with it. I think like 
one thing that the story does that this movie sort of made me cognizant to is, well, no, not necessarily what the story does. So the story also, H.P. Lovecraft wrote The Color Out of Space. I think I mentioned this early on. His, his goal was to write something that is truly alien. Like, he wanted to write something that, like, was so, you know, was so strange uh, that, like, it could actually be from a different planet. Like, life would have developed differently on a different planet. It wouldn't necessarily be human uh, Earth creatures, but kind of weird. In fact, it almost certainly wouldn't be that. So what he came up with was literally just, a, like, when humans see the alien, they literally just perceive a color they've never seen before that they can't quite describe. And when they interact with the alien, weird stuff happens. Like, they all, basically a huge famine, and then they die. So, what he, and why did the alien do this? Do this? You have no idea, because no one has any idea. But the thing is that this is just a story, it's ultimately not a story about anything other than the alien. And the kind of movie that Color Out of Space is, it's shot the same way that movies that are about things are that are about more than just the alien are shot but it doesn't really have anything to build on there and it doesn't go out of its way to try and build on anything where um the reason that the 2012 version works as good as it does is it's literally just adapting the story word for word which usually wouldn't work in an adaptation of a story but like it does there because it doesn't have to be about anything really it just has to be about the events that happen and so weirdly enough i think that certain hp lovecraft stories this one in particular potentially others just lend themselves more to that because again in the case of this story it's not really about anything else this there's no great truth about the gardeners that's being told through this alien. And they don't try and do that in the movie, which is why this movie seems kind of hollow. So yeah, that. Yeah. I will say the one thing I noticed is that Nicolas Cage just ends up more like his dad throughout the movie. Not not in real life, the the character. That that is the only slight character development thing I get. And from it. my it was very, own- very subtle. My only issue with that is that at no point do we see anything about his dad. We only know how his dad was because he very briefly describes his dad at certain points. And that could be okay, but there needs to be more in order for if if that is the point of this movie. Yeah, it it would have been nice. I, I it feels like they almost deleted deleted a couple scenes out of it um, because it really wasn't necessary for the film. Other than mm-hmm. I guess it's a little more, it's slightly more tragic, but I, it's already a pretty tragic story. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, that is um, color out of space. So uh, we're running out of movies in theaters, but there will be some. We'll get there. Uh, actually, I don't know exactly when this is coming out. But I think this is going to be coming out like probably in November is when this one's coming out. So because we're we've got a pretty decent backlog now. But uh, considering the state of movies is what it is, we figured that for the next episode, we're going to talk about a movie that 
directly influenced the state of movies currently. Uh, it's not exactly why things are the way they are right now, but it's potentially why things are the way they will be. Uh, things will be the way they will be next year. We're going to talk about Trolls 2. That's what I'm saying. Yes, very exciting. The first first movie to take the direct-to-DVD, or direct-to-VOD uh, tactic, and it seemed to work because we have seen it happen to many other movies since then. And Universal um, put out, I don't know if they had a press release or what, but after that happened, they said that it was a rousing success and that they were going to endeavor to do that with more of their movies in the future, like do them simultaneously theaters and VOD, which is a huge step. I don't yeah, know yeah, if I... they've stuck to that entirely, but like theaters were mad. It, it could theoretically very much change the way a lot of movies are released. Um, mm. At least movies that are in that range. I don't see movies like really big blockbusters releasing like that, but I could potentially see smaller movies mm-hmm. getting released like that, especially kids' movies. Honestly. Well, I think... I think it's a really good thing to do for smaller movies like indie movies and stuff. Cause you know, a lot of the stuff that premieres at can, I want to see it, but it might not necessarily work if you just throw it into theaters. But then, because you know, you'll get people like me who travel out however long to get there, but you know, I can't even see all of those because it just doesn't work with my schedule, but like I will rent it. I don't know if that's I, exactly the same thing as Trolls 2, but not not exactly. <laughs> no, it's 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 quite a different thing, but to, I guess to be clear, I would never watch Trolls 2 unless we were doing it for the podcast. So there you go. That's, yeah. Maybe that's why I chose it so I'd have an excuse to watch it, who knows. Um but yeah, Trolls 2 and actually you guys may have heard this episode by now, but I'm going to say right now, uh there is a sequel to Borat coming out. And when that movie comes out, I will insist that that be our next episode and that we move that forward so that it comes out as soon as close to the release date as possible, because I'm very excited about that movie. So by this time, depending on when this episode comes out, you might have already heard us talk about Borat, too, too. That is crazy. We're in the future. Man, who would have thought that Borat would get a sequel or Trolls? And we're going to talk about both of them. Crazy. Yeah. The future is amazing. Anyways, until next time, this was Pierre and Jeff.